What's going on, everyone? It is just me today, uh, your captain, Andrew Full, and uh, we have Alex Redwine joining us. But um, as you're listening to this on Friday morning, Bailey and Deacon are both at ICAST, so they have left me alone this week again to do everything on my own. Um, it seems like ICAST has been pretty cool, though. I've been seeing some pics and some videos of some new baits that are coming out and some really odd ones. Well, we won't go there, but there's some very interesting things, some new rods and reels. So everybody be on the lookout for that, and I'm sure we'll be diving into it more as uh, Omnia starts loading in all the new product. And just real, uh, clo- um, <clears throat> real fast, just to let you guys know, that this podcast is now powered by X2, as you've known going forward here. Um, we are still thankful for that. But um, a couple things that I have upcoming, I got like 10 guide trips in the next like two weeks. So it's going to be very busy. We're going to be bouncing back and forth from small mouth and large mouth. So stay tuned to, stay tuned for that. And before we get too far into the rabbit hole of me talking just about myself, we're going to bring on Alex here. What's up, man? What's up? How's it going? Oh, you know, just absolutely exhausted. And um, my brain doesn't want to work, as you can tell by me fumbling over my words here in the intro. So what's going on with you? You've had an exciting month. Yeah, for sure. Just got back just a few days ago from New York at the St. Lawrence event. And actually today I went on the Ohio River and my first cast was with a baitcaster. And honestly, like I fumbled, like <laughs> my hands didn't know like how to hold and cast a bait caster after fishing for smallmouth for, for pretty much a whole month straight. Oh man, that that's a it's such a surreal feeling when you go from like that spinning rod to a bait caster. Like that first cast, like everything's loose and you go throw it and you're like, oh no. <laughs> yeah, I was throwing a buzz bait and like the thing just it took me like three casts to be like, okay, cast. <laughs> <laughs> Like, not 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 like flip it out there like a spinning yeah. cast <laughs> yeah, it's like how do how does this motion work again why yeah. is my muscle memory gone <laughs> so how was the ohio river that's quite the change of pace from smallmouth fishing up on the great lakes i would say yeah for sure the ohio river let's see it was i think we had about 10 inches of clarity um i have a little small little local just a small little local tournament there this weekend so it's just kind of checking things out um but caught one keeper and three two or three shorts oh. caught a caught a keeper largemouth and then three short spotted bass fun so, on the buzz bait little, yeah <laughs> one on the buzz bait and then somewhere just on a little like shaky head ah gotcha that i've talked to my friend who fishes the ohio but he lives in kentucky i don't know if you know john king drunkwood sounds familiar but he's always like the ohio river is the worst place in the world to fish and it sounds like that's a general synopsis of everyone who fishes there pretty much there's a there's a bfl mlf bfl out of like the next pool up so like like 50 miles from where i was fishing today and like i wouldn't be surprised if 10 pounds wins the thing and like four pounds gets like the last check oh (laughs) my gosh so is your pool better than the pool above or vice versa? I I feel like the pool that I was at today, but down river like 30 miles is a little bit better than the other pool. But th- they're all like nothing Terrible. stands out. Yeah, nothing, <laughs> like, nothing stands out. Well, I am sorry that you went from like arm aching smallmouth to <laughs> barely drag pulling spots in largemouth. Yeah, yeah. So. Good luck and have some fun with that. It's uh, quite the change of pace for you. So um, let's dive in here. 
how's your rookie season going for you? First year traveling the country, elite series. How's that going? Yeah, so it's definitely been a huge eye opener. Um, I feel like I came in to this year after qualifying for the through the opens last year. I definitely feel like I came in kind of on this high, um, as in like I did I had success in the opens and I came in like oh I just got to keep doing the same thing like I have I have something going for me I just got to keep that mojo going. Um, then I entered the first handful of events on the elite season and it was just super eye opening. Uh, just nothing really went my way. I've had a lot of like poor kind of what I classify as like not the best finishes um in the beginning first half of the season and it kind of like it's been a huge mental battle um just because like i feel like i know that i'm a better fisherman than what my results have shown and but i feel like i've learned a lot too you know like a lot of these bodies of water i've never been to i've hardly seen and i kind of just have to hop into the mix and just throw myself out there with three days of practice then start competing competing against these guys that have fished those bodies of water several times, several big events, and and here I am trying to put it all together. It's awesome that you're able to like work through the adversity because that's the whole thing with fishing, right? It's the most beat you down sport there is. So if you can kind of work through the adversity to a point, you know the next tournament or the next day could go better. So um, obviously we've had highs, but it's, you've had really good days too on those tournaments that have been tough from what I've seen, right? You've had a couple good days. Yeah. Yeah. I, I feel like I've definitely, yeah. Just the whole like learning, like I, I feel like I've been stubborn some days of tournaments and other days I just kind of throw everything out the door. And I feel like that's what fishing kind of all always is. Like you have to have that, um, like flight or fight. Yeah. Mentality. Just kinda, be able to throw everything out and just start fresh. Um, yeah. Not like just lose that sense of memory kind of, and just, just roll with the seat of your, by the seat of your pants. Fair enough. So um, up to this point, what would you say is your favorite story or like memory of your inaugural elite series tour? Uh, probably like the first handful of events, just like meeting a lot of guys. Um, I just kind of like starstruck, like the first couple of events, like, like I'm 22 years old and like here I am, like at takeoff and you look at all these people around and it's just like kind of super surreal. Like here I am trying to, trying to mix in with these guys. But um, my most memorable, I mean, it's so easy to say this, like this last week, just the whole Jay winning, you know, like me and him, we started rooming together at the beginning of this year. We just kind of linked up because he's also a rookie. And just kind of be able to like have that bond and have that have that friendship that we've built um, throughout the season. Um, just because we we're both we were both kind of in the same boat, we were kind of kind of lost, kind of like don't know exactly like what to think of ourselves. We we're just kind of hopping in this, and then to see him just kind of take off throughout this year. He's had, he's had a killer year, but then this past week, just to see how the stars aligned for him how his like mental he's how his mental state was like he is the coolest calm collective person ever and just like seeing how he kind of soaked that all in and and made it work for him last week so it sounds like he's kind of rubbing off on you in a way too because you kind of evolve and adapt to the people that you like take court with right so now you're like okay he's not getting overworked up about this maybe now that i had such a crappy practice or really good practice it kind of helps level you out as well because he's not hyped up all the time yeah yeah he's super mellow super easy going 
like super down to earth and yeah i i definitely yeah he's he's definitely he needs to rub off on me some more <laughs> after what happened <laughs> last week but, but yeah it's been it's been super cool just to kind of have i feel like we're just as we're becoming better and better friends we're just kind of starting to like think alike and think i don't know we just i feel like we just roll together really well and, and get along well i think that comes down with how much time you actually like spend together right like if you're eating drinking before like if you're getting up and you're having coffee and breakfast before you get on the water then you come home and you have dinner and you're talking all the way up until you go to bed and doing that every day while you're on the road you're gonna build a lot of common bonds and that's awesome so it sounds like you guys are gonna be traveling together for the duration of your elite series careers which hopefully for both of you is a very long time that would be the goal i would think yeah so uh let's dive into it then st lawrence derby right last year in the opens you did you have a top 10 in last year in the opens if do i remember correctly i came in 12 12th so very close um and then you go in you're like all right i've done good here before in the past how how did your practice set up and then how did you know did you think 23 pounds a day would end you in the 20s I did not I I, if, like if I like my like weight predictions I was like if you can get 23 pounds every single day I would have thought that it would have been like maybe fifth or sixth place honestly yeah. like that was my like predictions going into it um but practice was like the way that I went into it I did this the same way at the opens last year um granted we were out of Clayton last year in the opens we were out of Clayton this year which is I think it's like 16 or 17 miles to like the mouth of the lake um and last year and this year, I just drew a big circle around the mouth of the lake going like within 15 or 20 miles into the lake and then within a couple miles into the river, just because historically that's where everything goes down. Mm-hmm. Um, unless they're out of Waddington or something, even then people running in past years, people Crazy. running all the, all the way to the lake. But I just, I just drew a giant circle and I was like, this is where everything goes down. Like, this is what I'm going to break down. Um, and the first day of practice was honestly, was honestly really good. Um, I don't know if I just got like lucky or something, but I feel like everyone up north they want to for smallmouth they kind of want to find or an easy an easy first easy first direction to go is like massive boulders, massive rock piles, the obvious stuff that smallmouth will hang out on. And I kind of found that they weren't there was some fish on those, but they weren't there yet. There was like more like two and three pounders on that stuff out in that like maybe 20, 25 feet of water on those bigger rocks. Um, But I noticed that they were just kind of on that small rubble. Like you'd be side scanning around and there wasn't the massive giant boulders. It would just be hard. Like there'd be a hundred yards of just hard spots or like maybe some rock veins or just some, I don't know, like rocks like this and not the size of the hood, the hood of a car. Um, And I just kind of stumbled upon that. And the first day was like, honestly, really well. I found like two or three areas that had like a lot of fish there. There's a little bit of bait, um, but like the first day of practice, granted this is all day long, but I had like 26 and a half pounds. Um, And Jay also, Jay the first day, he also had like 25 something pounds. Um, But the second day I just kind of went out there and found, found more of that. I ended up finding, I think like four or five areas where I felt like had quality fish, like, like four to five and a half pounders. Um, and then the third day of practice, it blew like crazy. And I just spent like a half a day in the river just because I don't know what I found out on the lake was enough in my mind. I was like, this is what I need to do. There's fish around. Um, and then as the, as the tournament went on, 
I noticed each day of the tournament, the first day and the second day and the third day, I feel like those areas had more and more bait in it, um, which I thought was a, a huge key. Um, and different from practice. In practice, it was it was kind of rough out there. There was, there was a lot, of, decent amount of wind, but in in the tournament, it was slick, calm um, for majority of the day, and those fish were just a lot more finicky to bite. So I kind of had to adapt and kind of get those fish to trigger and to bite because I'd be staring at so many on the forward facing sonar and they would, I'd cast at this rock patch that had like four fish on it and they'd come up and follow the drop shot all the way down and just stare at it. And I'm sitting there like, are you going to bite? Are you going to bite? And then majority of the time they never do. Small mouth. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> they're like, um, they're like an uninterested cat when the when the conditions aren't correct like you know that cat that will like half play and will sit there and chase like a cat toy around but won't like commit that's what yeah. i think of a small mouth pretty like, much yeah if they're not in the mood they're not in the mood but ugh, stupid fish now i don't know if you found this out like or if you ever noticed this have you ever gone when you've had those smallmouth kind of nose down on your baits have you ever started cycling colors like the same bait but cycle colors to see if they would fire on it yeah i feel like yeah i definitely didn't practice the first first and a little bit the second day of the tournament um but jay kind of got me onto something where so the water is super clear it's like 10 plus feet clarity give or take depending the area and so i thought that i had to kind of like get a get a heavier i started putting a heavier weight on my drop shot just because i felt like i think i was using a half ounce or three eighths or something but i feel like the way that, that bait would fall it just kind of gave them too much time to look at it. So then I, I kind of started using a heavier weight, like a half ounce or three quarter. Um, and then after like the first or second day of the tournament, I was talking to Jay just because he was in the same boat. Like, yeah, like seeing a lot, not getting the bite. And he's like, try like a three sixteenths or a quarter. And I was like, really? He's like, yeah, it'll, like just try it. I think I got a couple extra bites doing that. And then so I switched to that and I'm fishing like 20 feet of water with a super lightweight, like 15 to 20 feet of water with a super lightweight. I mean, like, I think, I think it definitely got a, a couple more bites. Hmm. It's, it's very interesting. Cause yeah. I, when I think of like the same thing, when I'm out in like 40 to 45 foot here in Buffalo and it's slick calm, a lot of times I can only give them to fire when I go to that heavier weight, when it's slick calm. It, Cause I, I also think I'm partially impatient waiting to count like 95 seconds for a drop shot to fall on a quarter ounce in 40 foot of water. So yeah, I don't know how people do that. Yeah. Cause it was, it'd be weird. Like I, I, let's say I'm in 18 feet of water and I'll see a fish, maybe like a couple feet off the bottom. I'll flip out to it. And when that baits like just is a couple feet below the surface that because smallmouth can see so well that a lot of them times them fish, it would come all the way up from 18 feet of water, meet that thing like five feet below the surface and then just follow it all the way to the bottom and then never touch it. And I think that lighter weight just kind of, it let it slow. I don't know. It let it just fall slower. And it gave those times, those fish more time to maybe just, I don't know, a little hmm. bit more, a little bit more trigger time, maybe Yeah, a little bit more. It's time to, well, I mean, obviously you're probably using Berkeley Max scent since the, the peer fishing affiliation. Um, <laughs> the one thing I've learned with Max scent is if it holds together after like multiple fish, the more scent and the more bites you get on it. So that yeah. could have been a key too. Like and the little things we don't think of, even with mm -hmm. that lighter weight, if you have a flatworm that lasts five, six, seven fish, it seems to always get bit better. Yeah. For whatever reason. I, I think throughout the tournament, I think I only caught maybe 
out of my three days, I think I only caught like two or three. I think the first day I caught a couple, but towards the end of the tournament, I actually switched to a little general. So like a Ned style bait yeah. and I was, and I was putting it on a drop shot. And the reason that being, it just falls a lot different yeah. than a flat because a flat one sometimes will kind of like spiral down or line twist, etc. But that little general, it's just so much more slick and it just almost like shimmies down. And I feel like that, like that was kind of like my bread and butter after mm. the first day. Yeah. And that could have been the reason why you're getting more bites too, because you're not getting mm. all that spiral. That, yeah. That's awesome. So now we're into the Derby, right? And we're drop shotting and things are, flat calm which you never see on the great lakes what were you thinking like after the second day you're like can we pray for an ounce of wind like were you hoping for wind i really was like the end of each day (laughs) the last like two hours of each day um there was a little chop on the water like it was not have been blowing like seven or eight miles an hour so it was maybe like a foot or two of waves and like it definitely i definitely had did get a couple key bites towards that end of the end of the day on each of the days but i was honestly like really i mean i wasn't really hoping that it'd be absolutely gassing wind but i really honestly wanted there to be like three or four footers out there just because like i feel like that would have like kind of messed up a lot of the more shallow guys mm-hmm. um and i feel like that would have given us some of the guys that are kind of fishing out off a little bit better of a chance so it kind of I don't know. Double like, edged sword. <laughs> yeah. Like those like those shallow guys, like, yeah, they could have gotten maybe a day or two of like doing their whole shallow stuff, but I honestly kind of wish it blew. Just so it wouldn't help make you it, out a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Just so it wouldn't <laughs> make everybody then turn it into an absolute whack fest. Now, did you think there would be not just one but two century belts, Wade? I I I feel like I was saying this like a decent amount before the tournament. I was talking to Jay about. It. I was like, if this isn't a hundred, like it's gonna be damn close. Like it's gonna be ninety seven, ninety eight. Like after what we saw in practice, I was like, there's no, there's no reason why they shouldn't be. Yeah. But little did I know Jay was gonna do it. <laughs> yeah, that, which is awesome. Maybe you said something to him like, you're gonna win this tournament and you're gonna catch a century club, and he probably was like, nah. definitely crazy oh man i can't even imagine like you know i fish for smallmouth whenever i want i can't even like dream of catching a century club like it took the johnston's what four years now i think just to even have a shot and only one of them got it it's i don't know if you'll ever see it again just because you don't get four calm days in a row ever yeah so it's very interesting so let's kind of keep going forward here. So like we kind of dove into your practice a little bit, but like let's jump from each type of smallmouth body of water, right? So when you come into a tournament, if it, no matter if it's a single day or a four-day event or a multi-day event, how do you break down a smallmouth fishery to start practicing? Um, I feel like I break it down in like, like first I kind of look at where I think they're going to spawn at early, early in the year, um, where they're going to spawn at and where they're going to kind of spend their summer at. And I, and I just kind of like draw a line and get a feeling like, Oh, they're going to, they spawn in this bay or they spawn this flat, this part of the lake. And like, this is where I think they're going to like summer at, like this is where in in the summer, maybe getting towards fall, this is where they're going to be at. And I just kind of find something in between find something in between that because like smallmouth they roam so much they move so much 
And I feel like that's almost the easiest way to track them down is understanding where they travel, where their seasonal patterns are. Yeah. And, and that is one of the nice things about smallmouth, right? Is they, I have one nice thing is they don't move it. They move a ton, but the nice thing is they're kind of predictable about where they move to and where they're going and what they're doing. Yeah. So like with gray lakes fish, right? Like they're very goby or bottom orientated. Then all of a sudden you get into like a St. Clair, which we're going to talk about in a little bit. It'll be a little bit different because it's like, Oh, they're chasing perch around. And then you go to like an inland body of water, which completely throws it off. So let's kind of jump into that now. You know, you fish, the leads went to Pickwick this year, right? If I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. So like if you were to target, did you spend any time practicing for smallmouth at Pickwick or did you completely like, now nah, I'm going largemouth fishing? Uh, pretty much all largemouth fishing. I think I spent like a couple hours at the tail race, which is up by one of the dams where there's some current. But this time of year, that's more of like a, january february march thing well i think southern smallmouth will like make that kind of get up in that current um but i feel like it was just kind of too late in the year for that to for that to happen but i mostly just targeted largemouth during that fair enough so back to like the great lakes so kind of break down like your practice for a great lake you know the predictability of them but for an inland lake and you know it's predominantly smallmouth which sometimes some of our inland lakes are how do you practice an inland lake for a smallmouth derby because usually there'll be like a one day or a two day event locally so how would you break that down yeah so there's a couple of like bodies of water near me they're just kind of reservoirs that that do have smallmouth in it and like one of the, one of the lakes it's just over in indiana it's called brookville lake um there's both largemouth and smallmouth but i feel like i i find myself targeting smallmouth a lot more um that lake gets a lot of pressure it gets there's pleasure boaters on it all the time um, and I almost feel like I just kind of run high percentage areas on inland lakes. Um, like I, I feel like I have this milk run that I'll have like a few like of my best spots that I'll start in in the morning, um, whether it be like a point, like or some sort of flat with rocks on it, some sort of man-made like rocks. And I'll just kind of have this milk run because I feel like on inland lakes, at least where I'm from, it might be different up in New York, but I feel like the smallmouth don't like get super as grouped up as they do on Great Lakes, um, mm-hmm. just because, just because it's a man-made lake, and I feel like that's why I target. I'll, I'll just have this milk run, almost, almost pretty much junk fishing, but for smallmouth on this lake, and just hitting a lot of just like ten-minute spots, hitting, hitting, maybe sitting someplace for thirty minutes, but just kind of moving around a lot, and just trying to hit as much high percentage places as I can. Yeah, it's I, don't, I don't know, I don't know, I don't know how it is for you up. Like we don't have some of our reservoirs that have smallmouth and it don't have as much grass as, as places up by you. Yeah. That's the one issue with New York is a lot of our lakes have a lot of grass. So like there'll be something very similar and basically what I target when I'm fishing in land lake for smallmouth is depends on the lake, but a lot of our lakes have a lot of creeks that dump it known because all of our lakes are natural. So that's where the most concentrated amounts of pebble rock will be. And usually like for smallmouth, on my lakes here, I know I have like a two-hour window in the morning to catch them. So it's going to be like if the wind is blowing, it's probably going to be a spinnerbait. If it's slick calm, it's either going to be some type of like really fast popper-style topwater or spook-style bait. Like 
And then every once in a while, you can catch a random one on a drop shot, but it's always something fast, hot, and heavy in the morning. And if you pull up in an area and you don't have any bait fish activity at all, you got to get out of there because you're not going to get bit. Yeah. I feel like lakes that I'm at, the smallmouth feed a lot more. I'm sure they do it, but you feed a lot, like a ton on like crawfish. Yeah. Um, so like in the morning, I'll start out with like either like a Ned style bait or, or a top water. And then as the day progresses, then I'll switch to like sometimes like a big wobble head with a big old crawl on it, something yeah. like that. Yeah. A really good smallmouth bait here is just a little like finesse football jig, like three eighths, half ounce, like queen tackle makes a good one or Kai tech. That's a great way to catch a lot of smallmouth on those rocky flats that don't have grass on them. But the big key that I always find on our inland lakes is if it's midday, you need a little bit of wind. If there's no wind at all, we have to go up super shallow and just find like the rockiest, shallowest flat that they can they can get their backs underneath the surface. And they're hard to get to bite, but they're always giants when you see them. Always. Yeah. I would do that around around where I'm at, but if it was calm and sunny, there'd be a thousand pleasure boaters on the lake. And <laughs> the the bank or the shallow waters would be destroyed. Yeah, gotta you have to love pleasure boats in the summertime. Yeah. It's uh, it is absolutely brutal. Now, outside like the Bassmaster events, do you ever target these fish with an A rig? Like I do not. It's something I just haven't done a whole lot. I've done it just a little bit on Lake Erie and Lake St. Clair, but I really haven't. I just haven't grown the confidence for it yet. Maybe just because I haven't been on them or I do a lot of single swim bait fishing, but this fall, try it. Yeah. You have to try it one day. Mm -hmm. Like just pick it. If you're getting bit on that single swim bait, throw the A rig in that same area, even if it's like two feet of water. And go like super lightweight with the heads, like an eighth ounce. You'll get some of the biggest bites you'll ever catch on your lake doing it. Yeah, it's, I need it, to. It's absolutely silly. If if you ever want to come back to New York in October and we get blown off of Erie, we'll go to a couple inland lakes where you can jam them on a rigs. Yeah, I'd appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I know how much you love Lake St. Clair, right? But mm-hmm. What have you found is different between Lake St. Clair and every other lake when you practice in fish tournaments for smallmouth? I feel like it's different in so many ways. Um, for one, like St. Clair is kind of just a sandy, grassy bowl with like very little, very little rocks and rough bottom. And I feel like every time I go to St. Clair, it's always something different. They're always in always in a different location you know like i could be there for a couple of days come back two weeks later and the fish are not even close Gone. to where it, yeah <laughs> and the reason that being is just because the grass grows so much the bait moves with that grass moves with the wind um and then you come to like a lake erie or lake ontario and those fish kind of only have so many places to go there's kind of almost like the tr- traditional like rocks not saying that they're going to be on the same exact rock year after year after year but they're gonna they're gonna kind of they have the same like route that those fish kind of go towards they'll spawn here they'll hang out around i feel like what i was doing hang out around those rough spots or those veins and then eventually make their way out but it's almost it's like the same area every year 
the same same region of the lake where St. Clair, they could be one year, the grass could grow good over there. The next year, there could be a big grass line two miles away. They could be over there. One year, the bait's up here. One year, the bait's down there. Water's clear up here this time. Like so much different things factor into it. And that's what I love about St. Clair because every single time you go up there, you can't just go to old waypoints. You have to pretty much go in there with a clear head do a little bit of looking around until you come across where those fish are where those fish are grouped up at yeah and i've noticed that too watching like a lot of the elite the elite events there it always seems like they go relatively within like a two-month span of each other but where they win is always somewhere different mm-hmm. like i feel like on st Clair, you can be consistent if you fish like where the rivers dump in or like inflow and outflow but other than that, the guys that are out in like the middle of the basin, it's never the same. And I find yeah. that like marveling almost. It's like, man, I'm so used to finding smallmouth that are living within like five feet of where they were last year. <laughs> like I, when I go to St. Clair, once I finally get there, I almost feel like I'm going to be lost just because I'm not used to that style of smallmouth fishing. Yeah. I almost love it. Like, like I'll, if I have a tournament up there, like, and let's say I'll give myself like two or three days of practice. I'll go up there and like a lot of practice, I'll just do a bunch of like running around, drop down, idle for a little bit, like run a quarter, half mile, drop down, idle for a little bit, just trying to understand the grass and like yeah. understand little indifferences. And then if I see something that looks right, I'll fish for 20 or 30 minutes. If I don't get bit, I'll run a half mile somewhere else and just if something looks right, I'll, I'll just keep going through the cycle, just covering so much water because eventually you're going to find something that they're holding on, find that, that hot zone. You got to find the multiple needles and haystacks. Mm-hmm. It sounds like fun burning a lot of gas. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, but uh, I mean, when it comes to fishing, right? Like St. Clair and all the other great lakes kind of dive into like techniques. Cause I've seen people catch them like ripping, tubes out of the sand grass on St. Clair, but a drop shot still plays, but is there anything outside like the normal realm that you would say works good for St. Clair smallmouth? Only if you want to give it up. Like no, you don't no. have to give up anything that you're not comfortable with. No, it's fine. Um like obviously like pre-spawn, like earlier in the year, I don't throw a drop shot a whole ton. That's when I'll throw that's one that's probably honestly the best tube bite that I've seen and and swim bait bite as well and jerk bait bite. Um, that's what I'll do early in the year and like the pre-spawn spawn when they're just super aggressive up shallow and they'll pretty much munch anything. Um, and then like, as it gets more towards the summer, that's when I'll do a, a lot of drop shotting or, or like a Ned style bait, depending on like what the grass, how the grass is growing. If I'm fishing around tall grass or, or skinnier grass. And um, in this, in the summertime, like if it's slick calm, that's when a spy bait, I'll 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 stop I'll stop at the I'll talk about the mayfly hatch. The mayfly hatch mm-hmm. it normally ha- it normally happens on Saint Clair and starts maybe like the first or second week of June and goes all the way to like the first week of July, and it can honestly be like the most toughest time on Lake Saint Clair just because those fish are just getting out of the spawn. They're post spawn. They're just in this weird funk and and then they're also only dialed in on mayflies. Um, they can be super stubborn. Um, and that's when, that's when like a hair jig or a popper, um, will come into play. I like, just have to ask, have you ever gotten the fire on a popper? Like just a little bit. So I had like a BFL up there, 
um, before the St. Lawrence event. It was like the third week of June and they were on that mayfly bite. And I didn't, I didn't spend nearly as much time with the popper as I should have, but the only way that I could get them to bite was burning a little general, burning like a Ned style bait because those fish were, I was fishing like 10 feet of water and they were so high in the water column and they were just dialed in on mayflies where if I'd see one on forward facing, I'd cast and I'd literally just be like almost like jigging and burning a Ned rig sub subsurface just because that was the only thing that they could they could get to bite um small mouth sometimes they just do really weird things (laughs) yeah like you'd see you'd see one you'd see like a giant one slurp and you'd cast everything at it and they wouldn't bite and then like one out of 20 fish that you'll see come up and slurp a mayfly will actually bite it's kind of kind of annoying but and then as you get more into the summer months that's when a drop shot obviously plays and then if you're feeling bold you can kind of like glue a swim bait in your hand um all day long um just because i feel like you can get a lot of big bites in the summertime with a swim bait and then something that i've done a lot the last couple years on saint Clair has been just absolutely cranking the snot out of a out of a crankbait um like like speed cranking them like you saw at fork on live like just yeah (laughs) Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Fun. Just like cranking it as hard as you can, um, and the that crankbait smallmouth bite is just unbelievable. Like, cause you're out in the middle, like there's nothing around you besides grass and bottom, and you're like cranking that thing as hard as you can, and then all of a sudden you're like, oh man, I just ran into a stump, and then that stump <laughs> goes, ur, 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 ur. and then you're like, that's not a stump, and then it comes flying out of the water. Um, that's stump. just a super. That's just a super good way to cover cover water and try to locate mm-hmm. maybe group, groups of fish. Yeah, I um I ran into a very special deal over here last year in the fall, like mid September through the second week of October, and then it transitioned into Erie in November, and that was just burning the lights out of like a deep diving, like a five XD style crankbait, just hitting every rock you could. It's the same thing. Like you're ripping it, ripping it on like a seven, two to one. And all of a sudden you're like, Oh gosh, I'm snagged. And you lean and then it jumps and you're like, Oh, that's not a snag. That's a six pound smallie. It is the most like besides like blow ups on spooks and top water, that speed crank smallmouth bite is just something that I feel like everyone needs to experience one time. Because it will change your life. Mm-hmm. Oh, absolutely. It's so addicting and such a major adrenaline rush. Yeah. And terrifying all at the same time. Yeah. yeah. Smallmouth and treble hooks jumping four feet out of the water on 12 pound test or 10 pound test. Yeah. Terrifying. <laughs> yeah. They own you. You don't own them. <laughs> yeah. You have, you have zero chance. And if you get one in, like, I don't know if this has happened to you, but like I have my drag winched all the way down when I'm crankbait fishing because I'm like, I just need to reel them in. I've actually like straightened treble hooks out just oh, winching God. smallmouth in. Because <laughs> I'm like, I have, I can't let them pull back. They'll just rip off. So stupid smallmouth. I love yeah. them, but I hate them at the same time. <laughs> yeah. oh, so, I, I, I love, I, like, the only thing I want to do for the rest of the year is smallmouth fish after after being up north for so much. Well, I mean, right, like, if we're going to go there, we, we have two more events left, and I think at least one of them are going to be smallmouth fishing, I would assume, yeah. based on everything, right? Like, that's all we yeah. talk about. So, like, oh, that sounds like fun to me. So, how do you think that's going to go? Like the last two events real fast. We won't dive into details, but. Yeah, I think Oahe's going to be really good. A lot of people don't know a lot of information about it. 
I think it's, I heard a lot of different things. Like it could be like everybody has 15 pounds, like 14, 15 pounds. And it's a matter of getting like 17, 18 pounds to kind of separate yourself. And I've also heard that like the weights could be just as big as St. Lawrence, like state records could be broken. And like this place is going to, Oahe is going to show out tremendously. So kind of, yeah. but I've heard the place is chock full of small mouth. I've heard that they're not very intelligent small mouth. Um, <laughs> so you're like, yes, sign me yeah. up. Like, it, um, I feel like you guys are due for a dumb derby besides the yeah. St. Lawrence. You can't get any more dumb than that. But yeah, like another dumb derby is a great way to like close up the final third. Yeah. And then lacrosse is where we finish up. And there's large mouth and small mouth in that. I think that's going to be a pretty like grinder event. Like a lot, you might see like a lot of like 10 to 13 pound bags of like mixed bags um just because it's the end of the season up there those fish are like going to be really pressured but i'm excited for that you know i'm excited to get around current shallow water and just kind of junk fishing hopefully it, ohio river ways are going to come out on you in yeah mississippi river yeah oh man that that will be fun so all right let's dive into like some favorites here i think i have a feeling i know where you're gonna go but favorite technique for the smallmouth on the great lakes like if you can only have one rod in your hand all day, what would it be? Probably, probably a swim bait. Like probably is there that. any specific kind, like a hollow belly, um, like a Kytec style or a power bait one? Uh, probably just like just a traditional like exposed hook, like like yeah, just paddle tail, whether it's power bait, Kytec, yeah. just like a three point eight inch or four inch. Um, just because I feel like they thump it just as hard as, as a crankbait. And yeah. I feel like you can, you can just do a lot of searching with that. Like, I don't know. Sometimes fairy wand and drop shot so much. They're fun as can be, but sometimes they can get a slightly Ooh. old, old <laughs> where you just want to horse them in. Yeah. So, like, kind of walk us through then. Like, we know the bait size. Take us through your setup on that on your swim bait are you throwing on a spinning rod because people do it two different ways you have the spinning rod guys and you have the bait caster guys which yeah. spectrum are you on and then dive right into your setup i'm a bait caster guy um i just feel like that's kind of what i've done a lot especially if i'm throwing like a three eighths or or half ounce um i've definitely done a lot of experimenting with rods just because i feel like hookup ratios on an exposed swim bait are sometimes trickier they have been for me so I've kind of, I've kind of been using like a lot of like seven three, seven four, like medium heavies, um, just with like a seven three gear ratio. Um, but I feel like I kind of yeah, like ideal. I feel like a medium just a tad too light, but like a seven three medium heavy, I feel like just has enough give where that that because a lot of times swim bait hooks are so big, and if you set the hook into one, that that swim bait is that hook is going to kind of create a bigger opening in that fish's mouth, which gives you more room for air. I think like swim bait heads in general can be like a topic that you can talk about for like three weeks straight because there's so many different ones. And personally, like I'm a bait caster guy too, but I go more on the lighter side of like a seven to seven foot six, depending on the rod. But I want more of like a true medium, almost medium heavy. So, like that fast, extra fast action. So it's real stout mm -hmm. through the middle of the rod, but you want that extra fast tip so you can actually launch it a long ways. Yeah. But um, I'm all about like six, three to one. I want a slower reel when I use 10 to 12 pound test. 
Yeah. Just because I've looked at, I'm more of a crawler when it comes to it. I want it as mm-hmm. low as the bottom as possible without getting snagged. Yeah. I feel like, yeah, I'm probably like 12 pound test, but on Lake Erie, like around the Western Basin, Lake Erie, sometimes I'll switch to 15 just because there's tons of nasty, yeah. nasty rocks. Yeah. Like if you're under six foot, I feel like you can get away with 15. Mm-hmm. In my opinion, once you start getting down there, you need to go lighter because that bait just always wants to rise. Yeah, yeah, that's a great choice. I love single swim bait fishing for smallies. Like, yeah. there's especially if there's any inkling of current or wind, they just yeah, it's right up there the crankbait. So yeah. let's flip it over. Now we're going to the inland body of water, and you already said swim bait is it the same. Uh, I feel like I do a lot of and inland lakes. I feel like I do a lot more like Ned style baits and, and like crawls. I feel like I, I turn my focus more towards crawls, whether that be yeah. uh, like a compact jig or like a swing head. Or, so swing head, cause now this is an interesting topic, right? Like swing head fishing is another thing up there. Crank baiting or swim baiting. You get some insane bites, but it seems like nobody has dialed in like the perfect swing head combo, like what to do. So what is your, yeah. Swing head for smallmouth setup. So I feel like I used to do a lot of just kind of like just straight dragging. Um, but I feel like I've kind of switched more towards like get like a half ounce, something that will stay on the bottom. And I'll just like continuously just inch that, like almost like a super slow rolling crankbait. I feel like you can cover a lot more water and I feel like it triggers a lot more bites. But I used to just do the old. Like old man sleep and drag. The, man sw- the football jig sleep and <laughs> yeah, drag. Yeah, I feel like that's what I used to do. But Now, my question with this, I got a really sweet bite with this swing head like four or five years ago now. And you know, you might laugh at this. I was getting them to eat it. I was throwing an 8-to-1 reel, a 7-6 heavy flipping stick, what, 20-pound fluoro? But the only way I could get them to eat it was to burn it. And I had to throw like a one-ounce swing head in like six inches of water. So I'd throw it up basically on the bank and burn it. And if I'd see any piece of structure, that'd be like my target line. And when I'd hit that structure, I'd pause it and hop it. And you would watch a small mouth literally blow from like a hundred feet away just to eat it. That's incredible. Like one of the craziest things I've ever seen. I've never been able to duplicate that bite. And it was like four hours in. I was like, I ain't getting bit on anything, so I'm just going to try something completely ridiculous. And I was throwing a Venom Dream Craw on a one-ounce swing head, burning it on a flipping stick. What the? Yeah, 20-pound flora. That sounds incredible. Yeah, I don't, I don't have any crazy stories <laughs> like that. And I think I've caught two fish on a swing head since then. Mm. So, like, it was um, one of those wild days. So now we're kind of rounding it out here, but you know, you have your last two events, another probably thousand miles you're going to travel, 2,000 miles you're going to travel because what Oahe's probably 15 hours from your house, just under 17. Yeah, great. I don't think, and I don't think I'm going to get any like cool views either. I think it's pretty flat and pretty, pretty bland out there. Oh, yeah, because that to get there, you probably have to drive through. Was it Iowa, probably, right? To get to South Dakota? Yeah, Iowa. Yeah. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) So, are you going to fish your way? Because, oh, wait, Oahe and the Mississippi are basically right back 
like back to yeah, back, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're back to back. They're like the last the day four of Oahe, and the next day is the first day of practice on lacrosse. And people think, oh, they're like they're not that far apart. Where I was doing like the math a couple like a couple weeks ago, and it's like eight and a half hours between the two. Oh my gosh! Yeah, that's brutal. Yeah. and i'm gonna go on a rant here like i love bass as an organization but there's two things i can't stand the way they do things one they fish the same lakes every year right basically (laughs) you can count on five lakes that they're gonna go to every single year it seems like and then they'll do something ridiculous like owahi to mississippi river or like sandy cooper to pickwick like back to back and it's like Day four, you got seven hours to get there and practice. Like, you guys aren't – like, say you make day four at Hawaii. By the time you you leave there, right, it's probably 5 o'clock before you're all packed up and hitting the road. So it's an eight-hour drive. So you're getting in at the earliest 1, 2 o'clock in the morning just to get in your boat to start practice at half hour before sunrise. Yeah. But then, if you're also making the top ten out of Oahu, you're probably like kind of mellow. Like you got a good yeah. check. You're riding like, a good high for the first four hours, yeah. and then you're slamming yeah. eight Red Bulls to get there because yeah. you're burned yeah. out. <laughs> yeah. Oh man, that's brutal. So, after those two events, what do you have planned? I uh, got a few more like local stuff, local tournaments. Got like an end of the year championship for like an, an Ohio Trail that I'm in. Um, that's up at like the Detroit River. Um. But hopefully, there's a good chance I'll probably go back to work. Um, and trying to like avoid that. Um, and been trying I, to. I feel like we have this conversation. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> been trying to like rely on like the fishing stuff to. Uh, to not let me go back to work. Like I work at a car dealership, and I I like clean up cars. Um, for them at the car dealership, so I'm trying to like avoid that. All right, rabbit hole best. Car dealership, worst car cleaning story you have, period. Because I have a few that are just wild for when I worked at a local car wash. So I want to hear what yours is, just like completely off topic. Um, There's like, if you name something, like I've seen it on the inside of cars, probably <laughs> like... Some, like sawed off shotguns, stuff well, like I've, that. I, I've seen lots of guns, lots of like drugs um <laughs> lots of i don't know, just tons of stuff where it's like i can't believe someone lives and like has used this um yeah a lot of <laughs> like here let me trade in my 87 ford taurus with four yeah. pounds of weed a block of cocaine and a sawed off yeah pretty eight, much with eight gallons of puke in the back seat that you now have to clean from the party yeah. last night <laughs> yeah and like i get around the mechanics um and um like we like i feel like once a month we find like mice and in, in like the engines of car like mouse like homes or whatever you not whatever you call them yeah when was the last um, time we drove this car four years ago <laughs> yeah pretty much um but kind of hope like, i'll probably end up going back to work uh, my boss is like super flexible super understanding of kind of what i'm doing um super supportive um so i'll, I'll go probably go back there at the end of the year and that and then just kind of switch gears and just focus towards next year and just try to try to soak in what i learned this year and put it forth towards next year so i can just be prepared and and then also a lot of like business stuff whether like talking to sponsors and 
just trying to figure out kind of my plan for next year and and what all what all I can do on my end to just be the best like endorser fisher. you can be yeah, yeah fisherman businessman marketing all that fun stuff that people don't see as much in the fishing industry yeah or the fishing like, fans don't see as much it's like the unspoken side of bass fishing right like we know that we're all technically kind of influencers in a way but like when it comes to the professional level it, it seems to be like a severe separation between like youtube social influencers and professionals and i feel mm-hmm. like as we keep moving forward they're kind of slowly like combining and mm-hmm. i think it's really important for a lot of people like on the professional side to understand what sponsors are truly looking for right in that aspect but also like social media influencers it's kind of funny like and i'm not calling anybody out here because it's just a brash like there's really good ones and there's really bad ones and a lot of them don't know what it's like to fish professionally and to travel 17 not 17 37 to eighty thousand miles thousand miles a year and what it all entails there so there's it's two different aspects that are slowly like coming together and it's, it's really interesting to see how it's all going to unfold. Yeah. So from there, any um, fun fishing destination plans you have before we wrap up here? Um, Are you going to go down and start pre-practicing for next year's schedule to try and get ahead of the curve or just going to fly by the swing, like the seat of your pants and three day practice and let's go. Uh, if there's events in Florida, I'll probably pre-practice some, but kind of the plan is just spend more time on St. Clair, Lake Erie. Like I think next week me and my buddy might get up to Lake Erie for a couple of days, um, the Western basin, but as it gets more towards the summer. So like my, my parents are like snowbirds. They go to Florida for the winter. They spend a handful of months down there. So I'm able to kind of get down there some. And so as winter rolls around, once it gets closer to the holidays, I'll probably be down there try to do some pre-practicing on some southern lakes um yeah florida's taken my name like i've been to florida so many times not just for tournaments like i've probably been on there like the last probably going on like nine winters like i'll spend like several weeks or a month down there like every year and like i just haven't florida's just such an oddball like you'll look at you look at guys that like one year in the standings will be way up here in florida then the next year they'll be way down here just super inconsistent no one is ever consistently good in Florida, I feel like, except for a handful of people. But If you live in Florida, like yeah. you can just kind of chase them around and pattern them over Europe. And I feel like, too, like with Florida, a lot of times like the spawning areas is completely different from year over year. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, yeah. yeah grass grows differently. It gets sprayed. It gets big tropical hurricanes, so it rips <laughs> everything out. Yeah. Got to love it. Cold Gotta fronts come and yeah. all your fish are gone. <laughs> won't yeah. bite. Like I saw you here yesterday on Live Scope. Where did you go? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> or Active Target or Mega Live, whatever. Like forward facing sonar use. Like that part terrifies me for the day that I actually decide to like trail trailer a boat down there and fish. I'm like I'm sure like I can figure something out, but I'm like. Do I really want to spend a bunch of money to drive down to Florida and just like get my teeth kicked in? Yeah. For, 
experience that I don't even know how it. Now, if there are smallmouth in Florida, sign me up. Mm. But we know yeah. there. So, yeah. <laughs> oh man. So, uh, what? Just to like conclude things here. You know, you have a tournament coming up Sunday. Between now and Oahi, what are your plans? Is it just that tournament? Is there anything else? That's don't about it. I th- I think I might try to get up to St. Clair, maybe once with my dad. Um, just spend some time with him and just I love staying on top of St. Clair because yeah. I haven't been I haven't been up there in like almost a month and things will change and it's just super addicting. Um, but just kind of gear up, get ready. Um, I feel like I have a little bit of momentum from St. Lawrence. I feel like the smallmouth are just kind of being my friend right now. Um, so I'm just kind of going to keep that, keep that rolling and keeping that mentality of like, like I know where I, I kind of last week was kind of a glimpse of like, I know where I stand now. Like I know mm-hmm. I, I can compete in this. Um, so I'm just, just going to kind of yeah. keep it rolling. Good confidence boost. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, I, I'm pretty sure I speak on behalf of everyone here. We know you can catch fish. So, um, go out and do it and finish the season strong. And then uh, get yourself in a good spot in points so next year you don't have to worry about it as much. Mm-hmm. So you can keep that elite dream alive. So, like, yeah, it's uh, I I don't envy any of you guys fishing professionally. The stress and the anxiety that you guys go through on a daily basis. It's wild how you can keep together and then still go out and wreck them. So yeah. that's it's admirable. So, mm-hmm. well, Alex, anything else you want to touch on here before we uh, wrap it up? I want to say thank you for coming on again. This is the second time, and hopefully we can have you on some more. Yeah, I uh, thanks for having me on. And I uh, kind of like shout out to people that have kind of been sticking with me this year. Um, just kind of have been pulling for me a little bit. It does mean a lot. Um, sometimes it is easy to get lost in the professional fishing world just because there's so much people that, or like a higher caliber than I, I kind of more popular or more more on a higher page than I'm at. So it definitely is cool just kind of seeing the support that people are giving out to the little guy. And just like a lot of a lot of people that have helped me out this year. You know, we had such a quick turnaround between qualifying for the elites and then also and then once the elite season started. So there's definitely been a lot of people that have helped me out a lot. Um, that I owe a lot of a lot of credit to. Awesome. And uh, hopefully those people continue to stick in your corner. You know, we're here rooting for you. So go catch them the last two events and uh, close out the season on a strong note so you can roll into 2023. So weird to say 2023. But uh, roll into 2023 with a bunch of momentum. And hopefully one of these days we can get you on here after you hold up a blue trophy. That'd be pretty sweet. Yeah, I would for sure. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem, man. Well, for now, I'm sure we'll talk soon, but I'll let you get out of here so you can go get rigged up because I'm sure you're going to be back out fishing tomorrow. I know the way you roll. So (laughs) (laughs) have fun on the Ohio River catching your 12-inch largemouth, and uh, I'll uh, I'll be chatting with you. So thanks, man. You have a good night. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in. Um, to this episode with Alex and we're talking a bunch of awesome stuff when it comes to smallmouth and um, be on the lookout for Tuesday night live next week. Um, Monday will be business from the bass boat. I do believe don't quote me on that. I know Deacon is down in Florida right now, so I'm not entirely sure what he is 
has planned. I've hardly talked to those guys this week. And then, um, yep, Monday next week, hopefully, Tuesday Night Live and next Friday's show. So be on the lookout for that. And for now, everyone, have a good day. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more which allows us to access more time and more variables to be able to bring to the show to make it better for you guys. So hope you enjoyed it. And if you did and you liked some of the things we talked about in this episode and want to check out our show partners, all of that is in every single show description. You can click down there. It's got all of our discount codes, all of our links to our show partners where you guys can go and support the people that support this show and help us make this show happen. And of course, this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sears Sanger fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next one.